podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Salah. This kick can Salah. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. And it's Wood. From Martinelli. Gorgeous. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman. It's game week 11, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable quick disclaimer before we introduce our guest i'm obviously feeling slightly under the weather if you can hear from my voice at the moment but the show must go on uh executive producer guy drinkle is going to be probably working overtime he's got the mute button ready in case i need to cough etc but hopefully we can get through this unscathed jake um welcome to the show uh, you might have to carry the bulk of this show, but I'm, I'm, I'm always confident in passing you the baton if, if something like this happens. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how we get, get on. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure it will be fine. Well, hoping to be fine this season. Uh, last week we announced that Fulham were the, a tad predictable team for 22 or 23, 24 season rather. They're the team the podcast is going to be rooting for. Obviously, um, Guy and myself had to make the final decision after the nominations were made last week. As one of our original guests, how, how do you feel about Fulham getting the nod as the team for the season? Yeah, but yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah. I think they need the extra support, to be fair. <laughs> 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 but yeah, we, we yeah, fine. Fair enough, fair enough. Look, we've we've had a good uh, spell in terms of teams that we've rooted for. Uh, last year, obviously, was Aston Villa, and it was strategically after Steven Gerrard got fired. I think that was a political play by Guy Drinkle. But they went on to do really good things after they were announced as our team for the season. So hopefully, if you're a Fulham fan, the same good fortunes come for you in this season. Notable other teams have been Brighton and Crystal Palace. We've seen them have good seasons that also coincided with them being announced as teams of a tad predictable. Well, the pressure is on for Fulham, Jake, because they are the first fixture of the weekend. So they just got to hit the ground running here. Obviously, last week's fixture we said it, it It didn't count. They weren't the team yet. The guys didn't know they were the team yet. Obviously, they they faced um, Tottenham. It, it didn't necessarily go their way. But this is an interesting game against a Man United team that has been on a tad predictable Twitter's Game Week Biggest Losers and Game Week Biggest Winner poll that runs every Monday after the weekend fixtures. Man United have been the biggest losers, I think, two weeks in a row now. They would be going for an unprecedented third week in a row, I would imagine, as the winner of that biggest losers poll if they fail to win against Fulham. I don't even think a draw is enough, Jake. No, I think they need to win this weekend. Um, it does seem to be um, a struggle for Manchester United at the moment. Um, even in the games against uh, Copenhagen and um, Sheffield United, they didn't play well. Um, and they're pretty fortunate to get the, the results they did in those two games. So, yeah, it, it does seem to be a tricky period for, uh, Eric Ten Hag. But, um, the fixture list does look good. They've got Fulham, um, they've got Fulham and then they've got Luton and then they've got Everton. So there are three winnable games for them. And you'd have to think if they come out of any less than seven points, you know, the sort of the cause. The crisis calls will only continue. Um, they've got a Carabao Cup game in the week, so I don't know how that, that will factor into the team selection. I'm sure they'll probably go strong for that, um, to try and get back to winning ways. But, um, yeah, I think I'll, I think I could see this one being a, a one-all draw. So I'll, I'll tip, I'll tip the, uh, 
the ATP team to uh, get a point this weekend. Look, a, a point would be solid before you know the season started. Looking at how Man United um, sort of was shaping up on paper, but I think with the way Man United are playing at the moment. With that game against Newcastle in midweek in the Carabao Cup, we know Newcastle, I, I don't know how heavily changed um, Eddie Howe's going to want to go. I, I know you were commenting on Twitter, um, you know, having that discussion about how many changes he wants for that. And, and we'll discuss Newcastle when we get there. But one thing for certain, we know the energy is going to be there from whichever Newcastle team comes into this game. They're not going to make it easy for Man United. And if Man United goes strong midweek, I think they're going to have some tired legs come the weekend. We know that Fulham have a game against Ipswich. Maybe they can rotate slightly more than Man United can. Again, Man United, the pressure is on them to get some sort of wins on the board. Any manager that's under pressure, if you can win a Carabao Cup, I know it doesn't fix everything, but it does help ease some of the the pressure that you're under. So maybe it's something 10 arc targets and, and he goes strong in this one. I think away from home at Fulham, I think Fulham pull off a surprise here and they, they, they make a statement as the ATP team of the season with a 1-0 win against Man United in that game. Let's move on to Brentford versus West Ham. Now, this is quite an interesting fixture. Um, there are a few players in this fixture that were on Mohamed Salah Mountain this past week. Now, obviously, that was introduced last week. It is a player prediction. I mean, it, it is it's a player ratings, um, weekly player ratings, but an overall rating of the EPL players. We're obviously going to discuss that halfway through this podcast. But I'm looking at Brentford. I'm looking at the, at the likes of Mbwemo, who looked to be having a bit of a quiet spell of late, Jake, and he's all of a sudden turned it up again. Wissa is still doing, you know, Wissa things by being clinical, being a, um, a willing runner, getting into the right positions. Do Brentford fancy their chances here against West Ham, who I think started the season well, but haven't necessarily been going all too well recently? I, 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 I was speaking to a West Ham fan yesterday, and they were quite irritated with um, the struggles they've had when teams allow them to have a lot more possession maybe than Moyes would like in games. Well, I'd imagine in a game against Brentford, Brentford would be happy to uh, deploy that tactic and give West Ham as much possession as possible and, and they can get them on the counter-attack. We've seen how dangerous they can be in transition. Are, are both teams just going to be kicking the ball at each other saying, you take possession so we can try and get you on the counter-attack? Okay, so Brentford against West Ham. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right that both teams will try not to have the ball. Um, Brentford, I thought we're in a, a tricky period. Um, prior, prior to the last two matches, I thought that they were going to really struggle to pick up points and they might be uh, in the bottom half, but those back-to-back wins have, have really shot them off the table um, and given them some momentum. Um, for West Ham, I think that their start of the season was a little bit false. I'd, I thought that they'd showed him they were going to be better than last year where they were in the bottom half of the table, but I didn't think they were quite up there with the, you know, with the likes of uh, Newcastle, Brighton and Aston Villa in pushing for those top six places. Um, so yeah, I did expect some drop off there. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a, a really tricky game to call. Um, and Buemo is obviously in really good form. Um, and he, yeah, he's, he's, he got a goal and assist at the, at the weekend. So he'll, he'll obviously be. Very, very confident, and he's the type of player that can cause West Ham problems. I think West Ham have got a couple of, have got a couple of suspensions and injuries um, from the weekend. I think Alvarez can't play, um, which is going to be a big miss for them. So yeah, it's going to it's going to be a, a and I think Paquetta's suspended as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a tricky game for West Ham. I think they'd quite like to get through it, and they'd probably take a draw if offered to them now. Um, but I think Brentford might might just uh, might just nick it two one. I have the exact same scoreline here, two one. So I'm I'm going to stick with that. Um, are are you at all concerned? I know the commentators were quite keen to talk about the the gaping hole that Declan Rice has left at West Ham. Obviously, they've tried to fix that midfield in a different way. Do you think it's working for them at the moment? Obviously, personnel wise, maybe from an individual perspective, no one necessarily has the 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 ceiling. Um. 
that Declan Rice has and, and the, the, the form that he's been showing at, at, at Arsenal at the moment. But do, do you think West Ham have found a way to sort of plug those gaps in midfield? Yeah, I think they have. I think West Ham have been, have been, um, quite good to see. I think Alvarez has come in and played really well. I think quite like the, the combination with him and James Will Prowse. Um, I think that they're trying to fit Kudos in at the moment, which is slightly unbalanced in what was working well at the start of the season when they had Suchek, Ward Prowse and Alvarez. I think they should probably return to that. I think they're better suited with that. Um, and trying, I, I just don't think they've got a natural role for Kudos yet. Um, so I think that's the concern, but, um, yeah. I, Obviously, Declan Rice is a massive miss, and they don't have anybody of, of quite the same standard. But um, I think their, their midfield looks fine. I just think they need to return to that three in the middle uh, when they can, uh, when Alvarez is back, because I think they did look better with it. It will be interesting to see if David Moyes takes that into consideration. Let's move on to Burnley versus Crystal Palace. Now, Burnley, I think um, Vincent Company was quite quick to sort of complain if you, if you may say uh, about maybe VAR not getting involved with that late uh, decision that they could have made for them I know they got that um, offside goal where they showed the green lines then it it got called offside afterwards the commentators on that game and maybe I, I keep going on about the commentators but I do think commentators usually drive the narrative that then goes on after games are finished. And the commentators in that game were absolutely livid with how long it was taking for VAR to make a decision. Personally, I didn't have an issue with how long VAR is taking a decision, and I don't see why there's an issue. And if, if you can see the other side of the argument, by by all means, uh, do jump in. But I don't see what issue there is in VAR taking too long to make a decision, as long as they're making the correct decision. We complain when they make the wrong decisions, but then when they take their time to make the correct decisions, we complain as well. But again, I will jump on my soapbox, the same soapbox I've been on ever since uh, VAR was introduced, which is with every other sport that uses sort of video assistant refereeing, all the people involved in the the decision-making are mic'd up. The crowd at the game and the audience at home, the commentators, everyone can hear the conversation of how a decision is being made. And I think that transparency makes it a lot more palatable for fans to understand why VAR or the people involved came to a certain decision. Now, I've always thought that football or soccer, however you want to phrase it now, phrase it that way just to differentiate from American football for this conversation but not being disrespectful um, in saying that but I don't get the arrogance that comes with football in you know not wanting to mic up the referees is is it just a fear that we're going to expose how incompetent the referees are at the moment Jake um, it, it might be to do with that I think it's not it's, I think the Premier League probably would mic them up if they can but they, it, you, you can't do it within FIFA regulations. So I think that's the, that's the sort of problem at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, there's a valid case for, for there to be, um, for referees to get mic'd up. I think it would just, similar to rugby, um, it would, it would just create a lot more clarity on decisions. Um, I also think the issue you have is, um, the amount of swearing that happens on the football pitch, I'd imagine is probably quite counterproductive to putting out the audio live. Um, and it wouldn't just, you know, it's difficult to get the players to to curb their language. Um, I think that's probably another another factor that perhaps gets missed um, when discussing this um, with a lot of sort of younger younger people watching Premier League football these days. So yeah, I, I, I can see the benefits. I just don't think it's I don't think it's that likely. And I I, I think the main the main motivator would be for the language more and sort of the rather than the Rather than hiding what's been said, because I I don't think that I don't think the referees are you know I I, I think the standard's quite low at the moment, but I, I don't think that's out of anything other than just sort of I don't know it's just it's just that it's a poor standard. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's difficult. I think I think it'd be good for them, but I, I just don't I don't think it's something that the the clubs are gonna the clubs and the the 
the officials are really going to push for that much. Yeah, but with, with the language argument, uh, and I get, I get, and I understand why they would have concerns about it. But again, it goes to my whole point of is football just too arrogant? Because every other sport has players that would love to cuss if they could, but they know they're mic'd up. They know they have a responsibility not to do it as, as often as, you know, it, it would get picked up on the mic, certainly. I mean, footballers are no different to rugby players, to American footballers, to cricketers, to, you know, name a sport that uses VAR that has referees mic'd up. What makes football so special that their cussing is, if, if it's something that needs to be ingrained out of the players, well, they need to, you know, grow up and, and, and get it out of their system, so to speak. If, if, if it's a yellow card that gets given for, for too much cussing, I don't know how, but eventually, you know, people will, will learn not to cuss because it's mic'd up. And as I said, all other sports, all other athletes, they take their sports as seriously. They're as passionate and, you know, love their sports as much as professional footballers do their sport. They don't cuss. I don't see that problem happening on a rugby field, for example. And that's a way more physical game than football. I, I, I don't, I personally don't buy that as an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. But, <laughs> But I just think it's this it's changing behaviour. It's difficult. It's it's so ingrained that it's just going to be difficult to difficult to bring in. Um, I, I think they could could bring bring in um, the live audio. It's probably something that will happen over the next three or four seasons. But I just don't think it's I just don't think it's it's an urgent thing for for the referees to bring in now uh, and it's not even them it's, it's FIFA that would have to make the regulation not the Premier League because the Premier League are, are bound by FIFA regulations not to play out live audio that is fair okay well speaking of urgency I do think Crystal Palace um, going back to this Burnley versus Crystal Palace game I think Crystal Palace need to find something going forward from an attacking standpoint because I, I watched that game against Tottenham, I thought they were getting into dangerous situations at times, but just didn't have the personnel to finish uh, their moves off. Obviously, IU with with a brilliant goal um, in, in, in his own right uh, to give them a chance in that game quite late on. But coming up against Burnley, surely if you're a team that is struggling to get goals and you see Burnley on your fixture list, you're thinking, okay, this is a game that we could maybe get our strikers some confidence, get a couple of goals and and try and move back up the table. From Burnley's perspective, against Bournemouth, I I saw some effort from them. I could see, um, you know, I, I thought they matched Bournemouth quite well, were maybe unlucky to to go, um, you know, behind with that uh, chipped goal of, of Trafford. And maybe that makes the game a, a lot more difficult for them. But they're trying. They're just maybe missing that little bit of quality that will see them either turn a loss into a draw or a draw into a win at the moment. Do you think they still have confidence in what Vincent Company is trying to do there? And then from a Palace perspective, do you think they'll have enough firepower in this specific game? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm, I was thinking 2-2, two, two, but I don't know if both these teams have enough of that, you know, enough firepower for that in this game. I've gone 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I think Crystal Palace are, are struggling for goals at the moment. Um, I think Elise is, is close to coming back, which would be a massive boost, but as they threw it a, a couple of weeks away, um, they'd really like both of them back on the pitch as soon as possible. Uh, I think when when they are, we'll see Palace's attacking output really step up. Um, for Burnley, this feels like a really big game. Um, there's been a lot of sort of um, not not excuses, but there's been a lot of sort of rope given to Vincent Company this year because of the way he wants to put his team to play. Uh, and it, it it is really good to see a manager come up with a positive outlook. But you know they are 19th on the table. They are below Luton, who came up through the playoffs. Um, They've only taken points in two of their ten matches. Um, so yeah, they really do need to start picking up points. Um, otherwise they will be, they will be cut adrift. Um, especially after Bournemouth won last weekend against them, you know, that, that felt like a big game. That was an opportunity to put space between them and the bottom three. Instead, they've been left in the bottom three and let Bournemouth move, you know, build some momentum. Um, so this feels like a massive game. They're playing Palace at a good time. Hodgson is making some sort of 
they've made a few weird comments in the press recently, which suggests that maybe he's not completely happy. Um, they've lost their last two games. Um, they are a good defensive team, but I think Burnley, although they've, they have struggled this season, they have regularly created quite good chances. So, you know, you, and at home, you, you'd hope that they'd be able to sort of put in a big performance, especially given Palace's injuries. So yeah, I think I might tip Burnley for the win. Um, here, I, I think I'm going to go one 0 Burnley. I think it's going to it's going to be a classic Burnley of old scoreline, but perhaps not not quite performance. I still think Palace will have chances, but I just, I just think that the lack of confidence at both ends just result in a, in a nervy encounter and, and maybe one one goal winning it. And yeah, Burnley really getting their season kick started here, um, and Palace continuing to sort of flounder. And as you say, it's important for them not to let the likes of um, Palace get too far ahead of them if, if they want to stay up this season. Burnley currently in 19th place with four points. Um, Bournemouth, who they played this past weekend, they're on six points and they currently hold that coveted 17th spot just outside the relegation zone. Let's move on to Everton versus Brighton. I mentioned, you know, a team that was the biggest loser based on our poll. Well, the biggest winner based on our poll yesterday is Everton. Um, they obviously had that massive win this past weekend against West Ham, the one that win. Uh, Calvert-Lewin comes back. He's scoring goals. Is that the recipe for Everton? Just keep Calvert-Lewin fit throughout the season and they should be fine. And then from Brighton's perspective, it seems to have stuttered a little bit should I say for for Brighton at the moment obviously no win in their last four games Jake I wonder if it's a if it's a if it's a case of teams have studied some of the performances but Brighton had early in the season where teams were exploiting them you know from a defensive perspective and are trying to um, employ that and take advantage of of Brighton's woes defensively this season and the fact that they're always having to sort of try and claw their way back in games is not allowing them the freedom then to to attack with as much confidence as we sourced maybe towards the tail end of last season and certainly for a lot of what Brighton have been in the Premier League this season or uh, the, the, throughout their tenure in the Premier League, this, this iteration of, of Brighton. Yeah, I, I think there's always likely to be some sort of regression for Brighton this season with the extra games. We thought they struggled with the three games a week last year um, towards the latter end of the season. Um, so I thought that was always likely. I also thought losing McAllister and Casado, although they continue to sort of evolve and, and improve their team, at some point some of these departures are going to have have a bit of an impact. I think we're seeing that now. Um, they're sort of struggling for balance in that midfield. Uh, Belaba looks promising, but he's very raw. Um, and yeah, the, the growth is obviously very consistent, but they're just trying to find a balance in there. and They haven't quite found it yet. Um, and yeah, I think they'd be quite happy if they, they got a solid top half finish again, maybe pushing into, to Europe. Um, that would, that would be a good season for Brighton. Um, but they will continue to, to be a, a difficult team to face. Um, but yeah, I think as, a, as anything, when, when coaches manage in the league for about 12 months and you get that, that big sample, it is easier for opposition managers to come up with game plans to, to counter what, um, the Derby's doing. And I think, one of the first to do that was Sean Dyche last season when Bright, uh, Everton went down there on one four one in a really comfortable win and sort of sitting off deep, letting Brighton have a lot of the ball and then countering with pace. And we saw that against West Ham as well, a similar tactic that they used there and it worked. <coughs> so I think we're going to see that from Everton again, excuse me. Um, and then, so I think this weekend we're going to see that from Everton, even if they're at home. I think they'll, that's how they'll choose to play. They've got players in midfield that can be a real, a real um, dominant presence. Onan has been really good this season. Decore is sort of um, so consistent. Uh, and they've got players now in, in Harrison and McNeil that, that can create chances. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is as fit as he's been in years. And Bramthwaite and, and Telkoski looks a solid defensive pairing. So after what seemed like it was going to be a, a struggle for Everton again this season, you can see see real um, shoots of recovery there. So I think I'm, I think I'm going to tip them to get something again this weekend. I think that they, I think they are just sort of in a good, good period of form right now. Their results haven't always matched up to it, and with Brighton struggling in the league, I think we're going to see Everton get something. Um, 
I think I'm going to go all out for it and go for a 2-0 a, a Everton win. Um, I think we're going to see Everton win this weekend. Uh, and yeah, I think it's going to be a real, a real statement victory against uh, a Brighton team that everyone's come to like a lot. So yeah, I think I'm going to go for the, the Everton win. You may be endearing yourself to Evertonians all around the world, Jake, with that scoreline. I, I, I think you raised a lot of good points. And a game like this at home against a Brighton team who is still considered in the league to be a very good team. If Everton go and win this game, I think it just breeds a huge, huge breath of confidence throughout, not just the, the, the players, but the fans as well. And, and obviously it will be good for Sean Dyche to get that good feeling back at the club. Um, I, I don't know if I can give them the win. I do still think Brighton caused people problems going forward. And yes, they're not necessarily great defensively at the moment. And it will be interesting to see how they handle the likes of Calvert-Lewin. I've gone 2-2. Uh, I think this is going to be an exciting game. It's at Goodison Park. So you know the crowd's going to be quite up for it. But I just don't know if... I, I think it's a good litmus test for Everton to see where they are at the moment based on... The, the sort of good form they've been on recently, but I, 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 I still, I'm not sure they can keep out Brighton in this game. Uh, yeah, I've gone 2-2. I think it's still a great result for, for Everton and they will move on to next week to try and pick up points. The, uh, the, you know, one of the main factors with that decision as well for me is Everton have Burnley in the Carabao Cup this midweek. And obviously we've been talking about the impact of Carabao Cup games on this weekend's fixtures. I don't know if Everton can rotate all too much against Burnley in that game. I'm sure Sean Dyche will want to do well in the Carabao Cup this season. So it's going to be roles reverse for Brighton. A lot of the time they've been facing teams that only have had one game that week. This time around, they will be the team that would have the full week to prepare for it. Obviously, them being out of the Carabao Cup already. So yeah, I've gone to to. Um, as I said, I still think it will be a great result for, for Everton and they'll move on to other things. Let's move on to Manchester City versus Bournemouth. I mentioned Bournemouth earlier um, when it came to the, the result against Burnley this past weekend. They've got the Carabao Cup game against Liverpool midweek. We'll see what teams, either of those teams, you know, what squads they put out for, for that game. But Jake... We know Manchester City are notorious slow starters. Did you have any fears for them going into the Manchester derby with the whole, you know, um, form goes out the window when it comes to derbies? And then how do you think they handle a game against Bournemouth? Again, Man City, one of those teams that are out of the Carabao Cup. So, I mean, it, it, it's not like Man City need to necessarily have games off. I, I think they've got a big enough squad as it is. You can tell I have not too much sympathy when it comes to Manchester City's squad depth. But is there anything Bournemouth can do to to cause Manchester City problems in this game? Or is it a case of once Rodri is now back into the team, he's gotten those suspensions out of the way, Man City seem to be a bit more solid and, and Bournemouth will do very well to try and get anything from the Etihad. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for Bournemouth. It was obviously good for them to get off the mark um, with a win. They really needed a win. Um, they, you know, with a new manager, you you need that result to really just build confidence. And they haven't had it yet, so yeah, it was really important for them to get that win. But as as ever, um, yeah, going away to Man City's hard. We've seen teams sort of get lucky uh, and get a win there um, before um, at this sort of time of year. I think Brentford did it last year. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if a team did go there and spring a, a shock surprise. I'm not sure if that's going to be, um, I don't, I'm not sure if that's going to be Bournemouth. I, I guess probably not, but it, I always think it's, it's, it's a possibility with, um, with, with Man City that they can get that sort of dodgy result. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting one. I think, I think the safe bet is Manchester City's win, especially without, Especially with them not having um, not having a um, game in midweek, um, I think that would be quite important for them. But yeah, I think, um, I think it's going to be a comfortable win for City. I think if, if Bournemouth can get through these next two games against um, Man City and 
Newcastle with two good performances and maybe get a point or, or three somewhere, that would be really good for them. But it, I think it's the performances for them that they really need. Um, so yeah, uh, I think it's going to be quite a straightforward win for City. Um, I don't think it's quite straight, straightforward if they're Rodri's back and they're going to be, they're going to win every game because I just don't think that will happen. I think that there will be a couple of shocks down, down, down the stretch. But, um, yeah, I think that it's not going to be this weekend. But yeah, I think I'm going to go for quite a comfortable City, uh, City win. Uh, I'll go 3-1. I can see Bournemouth sort of nicking something, uh, as City going to sort of go back down to second gear when they get up into a comfortable lead. So yeah, I think I'll go for the, uh, 3-1. But yeah, I think, um, it should be a comfortable I think it's going to be a long, long afternoon for Bournemouth in that game. And, and I say that just checking to make sure that is an afternoon game. Yes, it's one of the 700 three o'clock kickoffs that we have this weekend, Man City versus Bournemouth. Obviously not televised in the UK, but that's no issue for any of the people that listen to this podcast because I'm sure they're linked up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield, this podcast is presented by EPLindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. You can check out their services at LibertyShield.com. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25 for 25% off of the router or the software VPN. It's a virtual private network, which is a technology that encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You can change your locations, avoid geoblocks and government-imposed restrictions to access any websites. I know, for example, this past weekend, a few people had um, the US, the United States Peacock uh, channels on here in the in, in, in the UK to be able to watch those, those games that weren't shown on TV, and they all were doing it through Liberty Shield VPN, which is awesome stuff. Guys, also go and check out EPL Index Shop. You can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at checkout. Jake, I've gone 3-0 in that game. I, I think it's going to be a long afternoon for Bournemouth. I, I, I worry about the amount of running they're going to have to do against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. We know it's a lot harder when you're chasing the ball around than necessarily when you've got possession in games. And I think Liverpool will be quite possession dominant in that game and then they have to face another team that's quite possession dominant in Manchester City away from home I'm I'm I'm, I'm anticipating a very very long afternoon for them in that game Jake I teased it earlier on in the show the Mohammed Salah Mountain um obviously we debuted it two we or a week ago uh before game week 10 and then it was updated after game week 10 it is the Mohamed Salah Mountain, it's a fluid EPL weekly player ratings list. Um, and obviously people can check in on Monday to see if their favorite players have been climbing or descending the mountain based on the weekend's performances. Now, in terms of how this is, you know, all come together, um, we were trying to figure out a way to determine who is currently the best player in the Premier League. And obviously, we have to caveat by saying injuries are not considered because obviously you look at that list and the first glaring omission, in my opinion, and one of my favorite players is Kevin De Bruyne is not on the list. But again, he's injured, so he's not been taken into consideration. But there are some propriety algorithms, so you never quite know what the criteria are. But the best way I can describe it is that when you look at the mountain, you know, you're not quite sure how you know, the, 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 how it's been constructed. Is it goals? Is it assists? Is it, you know, defensive performances? There's a whole lot that goes into it. But all I know is that once you look at that mountain, you say, you know what? That, that makes sense. I'm going to put that question to, to you, Jake. When you look at game week 10's version of Muhammad Salah mountain, and obviously it's called Muhammad Salah mountain because he tops the mountain. Um, I mentioned Kevin De Bruyne is injured at the moment. I don't think there's a player better than Mohamed Salah in the Premier League. I think it's undisputed. I think it's ridiculous for anyone to to claim that there is someone that has a stake in being the undisputed champion in the Premier League in terms of player ratings. Um, I think in all but one of his six seasons that he's been at Liverpool, he's had a double-double. So that's more than 10 goals and more than 10 assists 
in the same season for all season bar one. And in that one season where he didn't get the double double, it was six assists, but 22 goals. So I mean, <laughs> come on. I think he's been phenomenal for a good long while now. I think he's stated his claim as the best in the Premier League and he just continues to be that. And that's why he, at the moment, he still tops that list. But yeah, looking at the list, um, I might run a few names once, once we get you to, to just to, you know, share your thoughts on it. And if you do have names that you think players that should be a bit higher or lower, do let me know. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts on Mohammed Mountain, Mohammed Salah Mountain? Yeah, I like the idea. Um, I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, disagreement (laughs) (laughs) with lots of people as the weeks go by. But no, I like the idea. And yeah, I can't, can't fault. Mohamed Salah at the top of that mountain, but I, I do have a question. What what happens if he drops down the mountain? Is that impossible? I I don't see how that's possible. I, I just don't see how it's possible. He's the pinnacle. He's the standard. He is the standard bearer of the Premier League. And you know what? I'm so confident in how good he is. It's named Mohamed Salah Mountain because he never drops his standards. He's just that good. Yeah. Does he? But that. Does it, can anybody else get to the, the pinnacle? Of course. If they can be better than Mohamed Salah, I'm sure they can get, they can try. Perhaps it's <laughs> going to take him getting injured. And we know he never gets injured. So I, I, I don't know what to say. We need like Kevin De Bruyne to come back, get that horse placenta on him, Pep, if, if you want to get someone else to come on. But Jake, it's going to be hard. You have to admit, it's going to be hard to, to, to usurp Mohamed Salah. No, I, uh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, it will be hard. <laughs> But yeah, look, one of your boys is up there, Kieran Trippier. Um, he's on the second tier. It is currently named the form of their life tier. And obviously these tiers, the names may change depending on how the rankings are going. But at the moment, we've got the pinnacle, which is obviously Mohamed Salah at the top. We've got form of their life tier, which has James Madison and Kieran Trippier. Any, any issues with that tier at the moment? No, I don't think you can, you can fault that tier. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. And has Kieran Trippier sort of stamped his claim as the best right back in England? I think at the moment you have to say he's performing. He's he's performed consistently as the best right back in England, but I think a lot of that has to do with the way Newcastle play. We play, we play to a style that suits him and brings out the best in what he does. Um, I wouldn't say he's better. I think there's other right backs in this country that are better, but I think in terms of Week by week performances, you can't, yeah, you can't fault Trippier. Well, look, other teams have tried, you know, tailoring their teams to suit the best, um, assets, should we say, of their fullbacks. And I don't think they've executed it as well as Newcastle have. So look, all teams always tailor their teams to facilitate their best players the best way they can. And he's just executing it really, really well. We've got a tier that's a purple patch tier. Um, some of the people on there, Declan Rice, um, who else is on that tier in terms of performances? And look, purple patch is quite simple. It says what it says on the tin. These are players that are in really good form at the moment. Romero is on that tier and, and I, I had him in a tier below, but he's moved up this week because I just think he's been the heartbeat of that Spurs defense. I know teams have missed chances against them and, and maybe they've been a bit fortunate at times from a defensive standpoint. But I think at the moment he's kind of cutting out the yellow cards, which is always a concern with Romero. But as I said, Romero's on there. Julian Alvarez is on there. Ollie Watkins is on there. Saka's on there. All these players, I think, are playing really good football at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't disagree a lot with that to you. Um, they're all in good form. Um, yeah, they are, they are, I think they deserve to be in the, in the upper part of the, of the pyramid. I can't, I can't fault that, especially, uh, I, I think I've, a few of my uh, questions might come further down the pyramid as we go on. <laughs> so yeah, I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll leave that one be. All right. We're three for three so far. I, I think there's, I think I'm doing a really good job. Look, we've got three more tiers to go. We'll, we'll, we'll rush through them. Well, I'll rush through my side because I, I know you have some comments with regards to him. But this tier, obviously one of those names of a tier, I think may change depending on how full tiers get, but it's called great, but high standards. Now these players are all unquestionably great players. In my opinion, 
but they've not necessarily reached the heights that we expect of them. And we all know expectations is a killer in the Premier League. We know what Erling Haaland can do. We know like what a human song can do, especially after that season where he competed for the golden boot. Rodri is in there. I, I couldn't put him higher because of those suspensions he's had recently. Um, I had Ped, I, Pedro Neto is in there. Now we know he's just gotten injured. So he's unfortunately going to have to fall away. But I thought it was as, as an honorary member of, 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 of the climbers of Mohamed Salah Mountain. I thought Pedro should be on the list for game week 10. Obviously game week 11, he's going to fall off, but he's been one of my favorite players to watch this season. He's been phenomenal. Um, Phil Foden was in a tier below last week. He's moved up. Um, into this tier at the moment. I, I think he, he's performing really well at the moment. Um, I, I would like to see a lot more of him, but Pep doesn't allow me to see enough of him, which is probably what limits his uh, ability to climb this mountain, in my opinion. And obviously, we've got defenders like Saliba and Virgil van Dijk on there. What are your comments on this one? They're great, but they're not, they've got high standards to meet. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I would, I would question the name of the tier because can <laughs> players, can players reach this tier if they're not, not known as great? Do they skip straight into purple patch? It's a, it's a question for you really on, on, on how people move up. And this, this is why I was saying it's a fluid list. The tiers names will change depending on how full certain tier, but it just so happened that this tier has players that I, I do consider great, but that the, the standards, are, are, are quite high for them, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I am expecting this to be one of the tiers that the name changes depending on how things are shaping up. I, I think I think Erling Haaland could be a little bit low in the list. I think he could be, be a bit higher. He's he's already the top scorer. He's already just scored twice in a derby match. He's he's scoring at a rate that we've never seen before in the league. He does seem to be quite low. Would be my question. Whether that's just because he doesn't offer enough in overall play, but he's never, he's never, he, in, in terms of what he does on the pitch, he's, he's doing what he's asked to do to a very, very high standard. And to be, to be in such a low tier, I think is a, is a question. It's definitely one of the biggest contentious situations we have at the moment with regards to the tier and the algorithm. Erling Holland, yes, he is performing in terms of end product. Not necessarily in terms of overall play, and we, we've seen that affect City at times throughout, you know, the season. But yeah, I, I think he's definitely one of those that is looking to climb the mountain quite quickly. And, and when he does, I'm pretty sure he will climb it quite quickly. Potentially one of those that could get to pinnacle level. Um, obviously with the quality that he has. So probably one to keep an eye on. Let's move on to the frisky, uh, tier. We've got the likes of um, Buemo in there, who sort of was in 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 frozen in in ice at at, at some point in time in in recent weeks, but he certainly started to come to life again, like Michael Buble at this time of the season or this time of the year. Um, Ketia, the hat trick, phenomenal from him. I, I I I I want your thoughts on Ketia being on there because I think every time he gets an opportunity with Arsenal, he does seem to deliver. Maybe not necessarily the high-profile name you would expect to be leading the line for Arsenal and the aspirations they have. But to me, he just seems to deliver whenever he gets asked questions and, and gets trusted with responsibility at Arsenal. And then, obviously, the likes of Douglas Luiz in there. Jared Bowen was higher up on the, the list. He was in the purple patch. He's fallen down two tiers into this one. Um, Bruno Fernandes still barely hanging on here. Any thoughts on this tier and anyone that should be maybe moving up or moving down into this tier? Yeah, so I, I would question Nketiah being there already. I think he's jumped too soon. He's had one game. That would very much be on their day to me. But there, there we go. We, we can we can talk about him at, him at more length. Um, there's two, pe- two strikes in the list below that I would have have on that tier above Inketia, which, which uh, Darwin Nunes and Callum Wilson, but we'll see. You know, Callum Wilson sco- is scoring uh, over, he, he's scoring, he scored seven goals in, I think it works out, it's like 1.8 goals a game at the moment, if you if you nail it down to 19 per, per 90. So he, he literally couldn't be in better form. So maybe maybe he's one to, to put above Inketia. 
but um, can I yeah, trust Wilson to st- to stay healthy? Because I, I feel like I'm going to edit him on this list, and then tomorrow he's not going to be on it. it, it that's a lot of admin. I, I, that's a lot of admin. I don't Jack. think I don't think you can I don't think you can preempt it. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a valid point. That is a valid point. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last tier at the moment. It's on that on their day tier. Um, obviously the the name says it all. On their day, these players are phenomenal. They can cause you a serious headache. I've got the likes of um, Dawa Nunes in there, Paqueta's in there, Wissa is in there, um, Martinelli is in there, Ferguson is in there. I thought, again, he came on. He's looking promising. He gets his goal. Matty Cash is in there. He was a bit higher, if, I, if, if, if my memory serves, and he's fallen down into this tier, maybe not as consistent as... He was early on in the season when he started to get a, a bit of a name for himself in, in that Aston Villa team. But yeah, thoughts on this tier? Obviously, we know you think uh, Callum Wilson and potentially Darwin should be a, a tier higher. Yeah, I think those two are the main ones. Um, I'm not sure if Whistler should, should quite be on the mountain yet, but we'll, uh, we'll leave him there. And, <laughs> and does, does Paquetta's ban, does that have any... Does that have any impact on his place on the on the mountain? Well, game week eleven is coming up, Jake, and 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 obviously, as we mentioned, the list is fluid. Um, so yeah, he he's yeah, I think it's safe to say he's he might be in trouble. That's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, we've we've also got a tier called base camp. It's not on Mohammed Salah mountain, but these are people that are sort of preparing to get onto this list because they they're playing okay. Um, but they're not quite good enough to make it onto the mountain at the moment. Anthony Gordon was on the mountain uh, before game week 10, but I thought it was another not so great performance from him. I I do. I was sad to see him go because I think he's been one of the bright sparks for Newcastle this season. I'm just expecting him to kick on another gear. Am I being too harsh on him? Obviously with you being the Newcastle expert here, I'd love your thoughts on him. But likes of Jeremy Doku, who I just think hasn't played enough games yet. Um, Udoji got injured, uh, unfortunately for him, or certainly didn't play this past week, which affected his position on the mountain. Matoma, much to the chagrin of my fantasy team, is not on the mountain. But yeah, Anthony Gordon, did he deserve to fall off of the mountain? Uh, I think that's harsh. I think he's been very good all season. He's probably been our best player. Um, maybe outside of Trippier. Um, and he, he did, he did alright against Wolves. He created, created a couple of, couple of moments. It was his cross for the, for the first goal that caused Saar to, to make a mess of it. So yeah, he, he, was, he was pretty good. Um, but I think he, he, he will move back up onto the mountain. I have no doubts about that. Yeah, he, he has been looking good this season. As I said, he was on the mountain. Uh, he fell off. Um, the, 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 the algorithm is quite harsh when it comes to things like that. But Jake, yeah, that, so that's the mountain. Um, it's going to evolve throughout the season. Obviously, check, look out for it on Mondays on a tad predictable Twitter handle. We will see movement on that mountain throughout the season, no doubt. And we will see if there is anyone that can usurp Mohammed Salah at the top of Mohammed Salah mountain. We might have to change the name of the mountain if that ever happens. But I'm so confident, as I said before, that it's not going to happen, that it isn't appropriately named Mohammed Salah mountain as he is the pinnacle. Let's move on to the rest of our fixtures for this weekend. We've got Sheffield United versus Wolves. Wolves, massive, massive blow to them, I think, with uh, Pedro Neto getting injured. I mean, it, even the way he gets injured, they're on the counter-attack. He's got the ball. They've got sort of an, an overlap in, in terms of uh, numbers uh, going forward. It looks like, you know, every time he touches the ball, he's going to create a, a chance either for himself or for someone else. Is there any doubt they were scoring from there or at least causing serious problems for, for the defense when he was running in on goal? with the ball at his feet and, and willing runners beside him. And then to see him go down like that was just really, really sad. Is this a game where Sheffield United maybe think, okay, here's an opportunity, no Pedro Neto, Wolves might be feeling a bit down, we could get something here? I think they have to look at this as a game that, that they can get something in. I think Wolves' Wolves's worst performance of the season was against Luton away from home. 
So Sheffield United sort of be hoping that they, they perform similarly here. I think Neto was a big miss. It would be a big miss for Wolves. And the moment he went off against Newcastle, they went from being the most likely winners to sort of hanging on to, to, to the point. It, it was quite a change. So, um, he's going to be a big miss. Um, I also think by him being, being out, they move, they moved Huang to the wing where he's not quite as effective. So I think that's going to be something to watch out on this weekend, whether they, Bring in somebody else to, to cover for Neto if they moved Huang out there. If they move Huang out there, they're not only missing Neto, they're missing Huang in the middle. So it's sort of a double-edged sword there. So yeah, it's a, it'll be interesting how they manage that um, this weekend. Um, but yeah, Sheffield United, you really can't back them in any game at the moment. They just look so so much short of the rest. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd expect Wolves to get the win this weekend, even without Neto. I think, it, I think it'll be scrappy. And yeah, I might go for another one nil, but I think Wolves will win. I think they've got they they seem to be on on a high at the moment. They seem to be playing some good football, uh, and yeah, I think they'll just have a little bit too much for Sheffield United. Interesting stuff. Yeah, um, and the score prediction for that one? One nil. One nil. One nil to Wolves. Yeah, it it will be interesting to obviously for the Wolves players to try and figure out okay who is that first pass for us because at most of the season that's been Pedro Neto that's the guy you want on the ball as often as possible someone else is going to have to step up and step into those shoes Wang had a phenomenal goal this past weekend hopefully he's one of those players for them um obviously it will be interesting to see how their ref their their game is going to be refereed this week because we saw Gary O'Neill go on a bit of a tangent regarding the the poor quality of of, of officiating the Premier League at the moment and it, it's almost a, a, a double-edged sword in in the sense of we all know he's right. The, the the level isn't that great, but when he calls them out, you'd imagine that the officials might be a bit harsher on him um, in the future. But I I don't know. It, it will be interesting to see if if they are. Um, yeah, I've gone one nil to Wolves in this one as well. I think they might have some teething problems without Pedro Neto, but we'll have enough quality to get the win there now arguably the game of the weekend i know there's tottenham chelsea to come up that that people might try and throw in there but for me newcastle versus arsenal is the tastiest fixture this weekend and it's perfect that we have you here so i'm just going to sit back and 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 pass the baton on to you for this game yeah it's i think it's going to be a it's a tough game for both teams really um i think Newcastle have got a lot of injuries at the moment and Tenali being suspended is another blow. It's going to be about Isaac and um, Barnes and Murphy, Botman and and Elliot Anson. It's quite a big injury list. Um, And it's it's the fact that all those players that are out are sort of grouped in that that attacking phase, uh, in that attacking position. So we're really limited in what we can do. Be interested to see what the team is against Manchester United in the week, whether they rest players. They're going to have to rest some, but they can't rest all of them because we just have the numbers. Um, but yeah, we're always good at St. James Park. I think it's going to be a tough game for Arsenal. Um, and I think that Arsenal haven't really been that great away from home this year yet. Um, they're playing well at the Emirates, but they've yet to find that form on the road. Um, I think I'm going to go for the one-all draw here. Um, I think if Newcastle had Isaac and Botman fit, I'd be confident of getting a win against Arsenal. But just without them, I just think it's going to be a, an uphill struggle. Um, and yeah, I think I think a one-all. Um, and I think probably a better result for Newcastle than it would be for Arsenal. But yeah, I think I'll go for the one-all. For a guy that's hoping to have Anthony Gordon back on Mohamed Salah Mountain, is, is a 1-1 draw going to be enough? If he scores a goal, does it get him on there? I think, I think it would. It would. It probably would. As you say, he, he's been really good this season. Probably one of the people that will feel very harshly done by falling off of the mountain. But I think at St. James's Park, this is a perfect game for Newcastle. They love to arrive on big games and, and cause problems. We saw it a lot last season. I think they continue it this season. Um, I've gone 2-1 to Newcastle in this one. I, I just think Arsenal haven't been firing on all cylinders. We know Arteta's been tinkering with how they're playing, you know, throughout this season. I think Eddie Howe and his staff are going to have something ready for 
Arsenal in this one. I've gone two one to Newcastle. I'll be I'll be the Newcastle fan here. We want to get Anthony Gordon back on the mountain. I think two one. I think Anthony Gordon gets a goal and an assist in this one and probably jumps a couple of tears if that happens. Let's move on to Nottingham Forest versus Aston Villa. We know the good form that Aston Villa have been recently. Um but then, you know, last time out, the narrative around them was, you know, they're only two points behind, um, you know, the, the top of the Premier League. They get in, they get that 3-1 win against Luton. Is it just a good time for Aston Villa at the moment? They've got very favorable games. I hope I'm not being disparaging to the teams that they've been playing lately, but I think they've got a good run of games where they can pick up as many points as they need to. Uh, and, and try and see if they can cause an upset again this season in terms of elbowing some teams out of those European spots. And then Nottingham Forest, obviously that 3-0 loss to Liverpool this past week. They didn't have Ayu. He was on the bench, but he, he didn't start the game this past week. And without him, without Chris Wood, I thought they were missing something up front. Um, Hopefully he's back for them this week starting and maybe that causes a bit of problems for Aston Villa, but I, I can't see anything other than uh, a 2-0 Aston Villa win here. Yeah, that, that looks to be a good prediction. I think Villa will be kind of happy that they got knocked out of the Carabao Cup when they did. They don't have to worry about a game. They can rest some players. Um, but they, they, I think it's always tough to go to the city ground. They haven't lost many games there in the Premier League. Um it's a tough place to go. And I think Forrest have looked okay when I've watched them this season. They've, I think that Karen Hudson Adoy has been playing well. Elanga's been playing well as well. Um, they've got a lot of good attacking players. Um, Morgan Gibbs White always impresses me. I just think they just look a little bit ropey defensively. I just don't, Matt Turner just doesn't quite look like a Premier League goalie yet. Um, I don't know if they're going to bring in the, the Greek keeper they've got on the bench that they got from Olympiacos. course, that might be an option. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to, I thought of after tipping Everton to beat Brighton, I think I'm going to go again here and I'm going to go for Nottingham Forest to get someone from this game. I think I'm going to go one all. I just think that Forest are good at home. I think that you can rely on them at home. I think that they'll, they'll get something, they'll get something here. It might not be, it might not be the prettiest performance they've ever put in. I think that Villa will probably be dominant, but Villa just away from home haven't looked great. The game is us away from home. They lost their first game in the Conference League away from home uh, against Chelsea. They looked the likely losers until the red card. So yeah, I think that I think I'm going to tip for us there. One nil, uh, no one all even. One all. I think I'm going to tip them to get one all. All right. Let Let's see if we can test your resolve here. Is there another upset on the card? Luton versus Liverpool. What What are you thinking? No, I'm not going to. Tip it. <laughs> <laughs> so Salah stays yeah. on top. I mean, this is how he stays on top. Like, what happens if he gets injured though? He doesn't and the get whole injured, premise Jake. is going to go out the window. He doesn't get injured. <laughs> well, it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not wishing it on him. But. He's a machine. He's an absolute machine. Look, a lot of time and effort went into the naming uh, of, of the mountain. So, yeah, we're, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm quietly, or not quietly, I'm boastfully confident that Mohamed Salad will stay fit. And if he's staying fit, he's scoring goals, he's assisting, he's created more chances than anyone in in Liverpool's team I think it's all of the players combined pretty much he he is the team at the moment in 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 my opinion and it's not being disrespectful to everyone else that's contributing the team I just think he just contributes so much more that he's just phenomenal um can I give my score because I yeah go, go for it I think Liverpool have started to look a bit better defensively I'm um I think in games like the one against Luton they can get away with the, the the way the team is 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 formulated and and keep clean sheets, I'm not confident they can do it against better teams. I still think that defense is not good enough to go and win a league title. Um, I think they need a defensive midfielder desperately. McAllister is not a six as much as Klopp wants to play him there. I get it against like a Luton or something. It's not going to work for the, the the whole course of a season when you've got you know tougher teams to play in the Premier League. It it, it just doesn't fit for me, but. Fortunately for Liverpool fans, they should have to worry about this game against Luton. I've gone three nil to Liverpool. Yeah, I think I think I'll go three nil as well. I think it's a. I think Luton are going to be a, are going to cause teams problems. I think it's going to be physical there, but I think Liverpool can deal with that. And I think it's going to be a good game for Darwin Nunes. I think the physicality of Luton will sort of 
sort of play into his game a little bit, and I think he'll have a good day. Um, and maybe move up that that mountain. But yeah, I think I'll go. I'll go three 0 as well. I think that's a good good sort of prediction. All right, let's move on to Tottenham versus Chelsea, or should I say the league leaders Tottenham against Chelsea. Chelsea have been struggling, Jake. I, I, I don't know what to make of them. It, in my opinion, uh, I don't think Chelsea fans, Chelsea board, you know, should be worried about how the team is performing at the moment because when you throw in so many new players and a lot of them are young players, it's going to take time for them to sort of gel, get into some sort of form, be able to maintain, you know, form. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the on this day, on, on their day tier gets filled up with Chelsea players because we've seen the likes of Cole Palmer light up, you know, Stamford Bridge at times this season, talented players that can perform on their day. It's just not all clicking at the same time at the moment. But I think throughout the course of the next two, three years, they'll be fine. It's just how patient, you know, um, Chelsea fans and the board are willing to be and, and give Pochettino enough time to sort of get this young group to get a bit more experience playing together and, and get out the unquestionable talent from, you know, the, the, the squad that they have uh, assembled, whether or not you agree with how they've assembled it, it, it's now there for him to, to utilize. And I'm sure he'll do that to, to his heart's content. But coming up against Tottenham, I've mentioned that I think they've been fortunate at times this season with, um, obviously the, the big call against Liverpool, um, where they played them. I think some of the teams they've played haven't taken their opportunities, but you make your own luck in this league, Jake. And Spurs have certainly brought that feel good factor back with the way Ange has come in, the, the, the spirit he's shown, the, the togetherness he's trying to get within the squad, the connection he's trying to rebuild with the fans. We know that was torn with the numerous amount of managers that they've had recently. Is this one of those London derbies where Tottenham get to announce that they have arrived in this conversation of the title race? We know, you know, it's starting to be talked about. Are they in the title race? Is it too early to say it? Will they be able to hang on? I think it helps them that they've got pretty much got one game a week until the FA Cup starts. And if I'm Tottenham, I, I tank the FA Cup and I just focus on the league this season because this one game a week thing is working brilliantly for them. I don't think they have the squad for multiple tournaments, but they've definitely got the squad to make a real go of it this season in the Premier League, especially when we maybe have questions about some of the other teams in the league this season. They're not necessarily, you know, Liverpool aren't the Liverpool of old. Man City is their fatigue from what they did last season. I think if I'm Tottenham, I put all my baskets in the Premier League to hell with the FA Cup. I know it's, you know, it's taboo to say something like that. And, you know, it's the oldest trophy and there's all that prestige and heritage and Tottenham are desperate for a trophy. But you only get these opportunities every now and then when not all these juggernaut financial teams have everything put together at the same time. We've seen Leicester capitalize on it, for example, I just think this is a time for Tottenham to just focus and see how high can we get up the league. It might not end up in a title. Maybe it ends up in a second, a third, or a fourth. I think fifth is okay now if you want to get back into the Champions League this season. But I just think this is an opportunity they have to grab and put all their basket, all their eggs into this basket. I think this is one of their coming out parties. I think they go and dismantle um, Chelsea. I just think the game has come too soon for for Pochettino's men. I've gone two 0 to Tottenham. Yeah, I I think that's a that's a fair prediction. I think Chelsea fans would probably have allowed their allowed allowed would have been ha- would have been happy accepting a loss against eighteen of twenty Premier League clubs this weekend and not turned on Poch. But I think unfortunately for Poch, he's coming up against one of the two teams that. Tottenham, uh, the Chelsea fans care about beating. So I think they won't, if they lose to Tottenham this weekend, I think there will be doubts about Poch, the fan base. Um, I thought they played well against Arsenal. I thought they played well last week and just didn't take the chances. They're just, a, they are growing as a team. Um, and Tottenham do seem to be in a good place at the moment. But I think I'm going to go for another, another slightly surprising result. I think Chelsea are going to get something. I think that Tottenham are going to be quite open. Um, and I think that, it's gonna it's gonna work well um, 
for Chelsea with the players that they've got and, and having space to pack into. So I think I'm going to go for the two-all draw. Two-all draw. And yeah, and look, in in previous seasons, maybe Chelsea would be disappointed with that. Considering where they are in the league, they probably would be disappointed in not being able to try and climb a bit higher. But based on you know the form that they're playing in, as you said, they're playing themselves into form, but not quite there yet. 2-2 two, two would be a great result for them. I've backed Ange Ball. I've, I've gone 2-0 to Tottenham in that one. But Jake, that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Besides making another push for Anthony Gordon to get back on the mountain, do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote? No, nothing. Just, just check out EPL Index and you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman. Awesome stuff. Yeah, guys, check out the website. There are match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for on EPLindex.com. Of course, there's a daily podcast show, the Two-Footer Podcast with Dave Hendrick. Um, you guys can also check out the flagship show that runs, uh, or that, uh, the, yeah, the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable where... Kev DeVries sits down with respective panellists from around the Premier League. Um, go and follow at Attack Predictable on Twitter. Go and follow at EPR Index on Twitter. Check out next week, Monday, the Mohamed Salah Mountain. Let's see if anyone can get above Mohamed Salah. I, I doubt they're going to do it this weekend with Salah playing Luton, but let's see what movement is going to happen on that mountain. Obviously, it's a player ratings thing. I know Jake's rooting for a certain player. I can see his bias. Um, with Anthony, no, he's been playing well. He's been playing well. Uh, I'll give him that. He's been playing well this season, but I, I, I need more from him. Give me a reason to put you back on the mountain, Anthony Gordon. I've been Tadio Chinakira. You can find me on Twitter at TadPredicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McGinnis. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle, with quite a bit of editing to do. Thank you so much for all the stuff you do behind the scenes, Guy. Um, he's been Jake Jackman. He's at Jake Jackman with two N's on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinashura. brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah, oh, sensational! Son Hanegor is still a beauty! Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans! De Bruyne! That is what... Martinelli, gorgeous! Still going up! Oh, he's done it again! Sports Social Podcast Network.